Welcome, and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for this privilege, Lord God, to be able to praise and worship you and honor you. And now, Lord God, to hear from you in a place and in a body that you have assigned us to be a part of without fearing for our lives, Lord God. Thank you for this blessing, Lord. And Lord, I ask for your wisdom, Lord, to speak through me. Speak through me again, Lord God, through your people. Let it be you and you alone to speak to them. Lord, I ask for blessings for the message that I prepared for your people, but at the same time, Lord, please override it. Let it be your message, Father God. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who needs um, to move to that next level with you. I pray that this will be the evening that they will yield to that. And I pray for the soul, Lord God, that still needs to accept you as their Lord. I pray that this will be the evening that they, it will be revealed to them and they will yield to that nudging of yours. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, tonight, I titled our message, uh, Pot Bless. Tonight. No. <laughs> no, that's not my title. Stay for the pot. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> there. I did it my way. Oh, I'm pretty sure some of you guys are already singing that song in your head, right? And now the end is near, right? You know, this song was popularized by, in 1969 by Frank Sinatra. The lyrics were written, surprisingly to me, uh, by Paul Anka and set to the music of a French song and they they just used the music, and then uh, Paul Anka wrote everything, and he said that he wanted Frank to sing it. His recording, did you know that Paul Anka's recording company got mad at him for not telling them and giving it to Sinatra? But Paul said it was Sinatra's song to sing. Although this work, this is, this is a surprise to me. Although this work from Frank Sinatra's signature song, his daughter, Tina, says the legendary singer came to hate the song. He didn't like it. The song stuck and couldn't get it off his shoe. Sinatra said that he always thought that the song was self-serving and self-indulgent. Let me, let me read to you some of the lines. I know you already memorized it. Please <laughs> control yourself not to sing along, okay? <laughs> because that's not, we're, we're not looking for your karaoke voice right now. <laughs> Listen to this. He says here, I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, right? I faced it all and I stood tall and did it my way. Right? I've traveled each and every highway and more, much more than this. I did it my way. 
regrets. I've had a few. I'm, I'm trying not to sing it too. I've had a few, <laughs> but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do, and I saw it through without exemption. Is that? It, it's. I know a lot of. Maybe maybe just Filipinos. Just maybe a lot of Filipinos were inspired with this song, right? Maybe some of my American brothers and sisters too, because if you don't, if you you have to find a source of encouragement, right? Especially when you're discouraged, and sometimes it is music that inspires us and tells us to keep moving forward, correct? And and if you really look into this song and its lyrics, I agree with Sinatra, and that's why I chose the the, the title. I did it, right? I did it. A lot of us, we want to say that because that's how we were taught, right? The world tells us, our family told us that you need to make it. It's you and you alone who can make it here. And if you don't help yourself, who's going to help you? Right? So it gives you that, 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 that purpose and that goal, correct? But then I titled it... <laughs> I did it my way. You, you titled it, sorry, somebody. I saw someone. Let's all welcome Perla from the Philippines. <laughs> I thought I was seeing things. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was a vision. <laughs> Hello, Perla. Okay. Our whole lives, we are faced to constantly make decisions. Do you agree? Last time, last week, we discussed the what and the whys of life. Tonight, we will discuss on to whom we listen to, or to which set of beliefs, if you may, do we base our decisions on. If you want to make it your way, and you, you're going to say, I did it, you're basing it on something, a set of beliefs, right? It could be a song, like My Way, and then get shot if you're running for politics in the Philippines. Or it could be a book that you read when you were younger that inspired you and you wanted to just, you know what, I'm going to make my life the same way as this. Or a movie that inspired and moved you. That you copied that, the, the character. You became a cop because that movie truly inspired you. Or a race driver. Or you became Burt Reynolds, which was, he was everything, right? He played football, drove a car. You find something, you find an inspiration, and you take that book or that set of beliefs and you make it, you make your decisions based on that. We agree? All our life we do that subconsciously or consciously, intentionally or unintentionally. Something in our life or someone in our life, one, one way or another, inspired us and we made a decision to live our life according. To that belief or that person. Just like Sinatra, some come to a point, especially the ones who have indulged in everything that the world has to offer, that they come to a point of despair, that this world, everything that this world had to offer became shallow. And then, just like Solomon, he'll say, everything is meaningless. Meaningless. There's no hope. All becomes, it all becomes, and we all realize that it's empty. It means nothing. As we have read, oh, let me read. Let's read our Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. 
I'm going to start at verse 8. But then, sorry, that's the song. Let's read here. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by, nat by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that, the, that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, but that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. We're going to end there. So I'm going to try tonight, after reading that, we're just going to go through the other explanations through the verses that we read. But as I was saying earlier, but for some people, maybe even believers, you set your life in motion based on a book or a movie or a person that inspired you or a set of beliefs that you were taught when you were younger. But for us believers, since we became believers, our book of instructions is now the Bible. The Bible becomes our book, our source, it's, it becomes our everything. It should be the one that tells us what to do, how to do things. Correct? Let's read this one. This, that was my introductory. The Bible, the Word of God is, in Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is alive and active. Alive and active. It's just not a book that sits, it's not just a holy book that sits in your car that you hold so that you won't get into an accident. Right? Or it's not a book that you just place in front of your house so that no ghost will go in your house. Right? It's not that. It's God's Word. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. It penetrates. It goes through. It cuts. Even to dividing soul and spirit. Right? It's powerful. It's real. It's God's Word. Joints and marrow. It judges. Look at this. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Right? The hardest thing to learn to know is what is the person's real intention. You agree? As I get older, I become, I don't know what, but I become more cynical, I think. <laughs> I'm becoming more cynical. When things are happening, I'm always asking, okay, what's going on here? I'm just not taking it up front now. I'm just not taking it and being the old me while I'm like, oh, okay, you don't like me? That's okay, I guess. But now I was like, you don't like me? What's going on? What did I do? You tend to like question and keep thinking now. 
But you know, and something somebody does something good to you, right? You're good to say you're, thank you, correct? You're right to say thank you and, and appreciate them. But then God is the only one that knows the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And the Bible will kind of help us know that. The Bible, you know, believers, we are just not to do good. We are to have a discerning spirit. Amen? We are to have wisdom. We are not to be just gullible. The Bible tells us to be innocent as doves, but be shrewd as snakes. Do we agree? There goes my notes. But it says here, all scripture. And second, right here. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is the Bible. As we saw, again, Paul, again, writing the Galatian, first Galatian International Christian Fellowship. <laughs> That's a long name. I think that was their name. <laughs> Galatian Christian Fellowship. Okay, GCF. He writes them, again, in a different tone because he's upset. Because he knows these people. He shared the gospel to them, and they accepted Christ. And now he hears that they, not only are they doing circumcision of the flesh, now they're observing holidays and, 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 and Sabbath and everything else. They're exercising. They're doing something to earn their salvation. Well, it was very clear when Paul was there, as he shared using the scriptures, See, when you have to speak to someone, when you are given the privilege to encourage somebody or to counsel someone, make sure you base it on the Bible. Amen? Don't base it on your own personal opinion. Don't base it on your own personal opinion. You can base it on your own experience based on the Bible. Correct? And you know what? I want to I hear about your losses too. You know, there's a, there's a joke in investment where you will only hear about their wins, but you'll never win about their losses. It's the same thing with gamblers. They'll tell you how much they won. Oh, man, I won $8,000 today. But they won't tell you about the $25 million that they've lost throughout their career in gambling. All right? When you share, when you counsel someone, make sure you base it on the Bible. When somebody comes to you with counseling, you need to be wise. Don't jump into your own conclusion just because you have their urgency. Now you're sharing their urgency. Let's say somebody approaches you and they say, you know, I've been lonely for so long. I've been lonely for so long and I'm getting old. I need, I want a baby. I say it was a girl. Came to another girl. And then you're just speaking out and not thinking and you just say, you know, you should just hit the club. Hit the club and sleep with someone there. And then you'll get a baby. Right? Is that wise? No. Where does, you have to show me where in the Bible. There's a lot of that in the Bible, but it wasn't scripture. It was the mistakes of people. Right? It was the mistakes of the people. Oh, I can't get pregnant. Get my maidservant pregnant. <laughs> it wasn't God's will, but somebody did it and it was recorded. So, Again, 
Church, if you are going to be approached and given the privilege to counsel someone, to give an advice, make sure you base it on what the Bible says. Okay? Let it not be your own opinion. Because the Bible is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You see Paul all the time. Whenever he rebukes a church, whenever he rebukes the church, he uses the scripture, all of scriptures, from the Old Testament up, right? Well, the Old Testament, that's all he had before. Right? He uses all of it so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you agree? This one. I saw it this morning. Let me read this. It's quite long. The Bible reveals the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts binding. Its histories are true. Its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to, comfort, to support you, comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is the grand object. Our good is its design. The glory of God is its end. It should fill your memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given in life, will be opened in the judgment, and will be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all those who trifle with its sacred contents. This was from Franklin Graham's friend, David Hill, when he, when he gave his first Bible to him, apparently. And he wrote all this for Franklin Graham to read. Do you approach the Bible? Do you see the Bible like that? You see, as a believer, do you even bother trying to change the course of your life once you made that decision for God, or did you stick with your plan before you met Christ? And if you're like me, the plan is like get rich and get money. Get down and get dirty. Party hard, party hardy. <laughs> right? If you maintain that life and that thought and that mindset, even after accepting Christ and did not even bother lifting a leaf of the Bible, knowing the truth of what you, you know, how, the decision that you made. How many Netflix shows have you finished? Five seasons, six seasons in a week. Netflix binge, right? But believers, how many of you have not finished the Bible? I know there's some boring parts here. Not even going to sugarcoat it. There's a lot of boring parts here. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of the things, the shows that you're watching, they got inspired by the Bible. They did. They got it. The, 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 the writers, they got inspired by a story in the Bible and they adapted it and made it into a movie. And you thought it was entertaining, but you don't bother reading the Bible, the Word of God, especially, especially if you're a believer. 
you're a believer, you don't even bother reading the word. How is it going to change the direction of your life? If you're going to continue to say, I did it my way, guess what? If you're a believer, God will continue to make you go around that desert for 40 years. Right, man? They would have just made it straight. You know, I think, is it nine weeks, Brother Richard? I know you used, yeah? You were there with them, right? <laughs> it was nine weeks. It was supposedly a nine-week travel. But imagine it took them 40 years. 40 years because they did not want the directions from God. They didn't. They didn't, they didn't want to obey. They want to continue their lifestyle. They even, went, they even had the audacity to tell Moses, man, it was much better in Egypt for us. At least in Egypt, we ate meat. But you know, they stole that, right? Because they couldn't eat meat. They had to steal those things. But they were saying, oh, my life was so much better. For some reason, sometimes us believers, we come to that point. And we're like, you know what, man? Before I accepted Christ, my life was better. Really? Was it really? Was your life really much better before Christ? The answer there is really no. You know what? You're, when you struggle because there's a sin in your life that you don't want to let go. And that and the Holy Spirit in you cannot be together. That's why you don't have peace. That's why you don't have joy. Because you want to keep that sin in your life. And God is telling you, let go of this. Now, if the Bible is that, I think we all agree. It's just the thing is, we just really don't want to read sometimes. Right? We're just too busy. We got work to do. We got kids to feed. We got bills to pay. We, gotta, we have to change the oil in our car. And then if you have six cars, you have to change six cars. And you have only one day off, and you have to do all these things. You have no time for God, right? But then when we get hurt, when we get sick, what's the first thing? Hopefully, hopefully, you say, Lord, help me. We get down on our knees. We call the church. I need prayers. I need you guys to put me on the prayer list. That's the right thing. Guys, I'm not saying I don't want your call if, you haven't, if I haven't heard from you for a long time. I'm not saying I don't want your call. I'd rather have you call me for prayer. I'd rather have you really praying first. But I'm just giving that example that we've traveled. I've been through it. I've backslid and fell forward face first many times. But that's just when, when we make something else much better or more important than what God has told us. And that is when we don't make the Bible our book of instructions. And if we say that the book is the inspired word of God, the living word, in Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. It's a light on your path. Why? Because this world is dark. Do we agree? This world is dark. And this is the only thing that gives us light. The Word of God, the living Word of God. This world will suck you in, keep you busy. 
That's what it does. That's what the enemy wants. That's why the enemy keeps telling you, worry about your retirement at an early age, right? You're at 25 years old and you're working for your retirement because that's what we're programmed to do. Oh, I want to retire early so I can do everything that I want and then serve God. It's a supplement. You know what a supplement is? It's in addition to. It's not the real meal, right? You know, I'm really getting old. Not only did I forget about the meeting, I forgot to bring a, a bottle of vitamins. Do you know Centrum? The vitamin Centrum, right? It's called a multivitamin, correct? It's, supposedly it has, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with it, but supposedly it has all the nutrients that we, somebody would need on a day-to-day -day basis, correct? Now, is that all you take in a day? Filipinos are like, no, not that. That's to be with rice. <laughs> <laughs> you have rice with your centrum, right? No, we have a real meal, correct? That's not our meal. That's not our main event. The supplements is in addition to what we eat. Now, if you only look at the Bible as a supplement, then it's optional. Maybe I'll read it if I need it or if I remember. Well, we claim to be Christians. We're proud to wear our cross. We have our plate numbers communicating that we're believers. We, have, we even have the stickers. We have it on our Facebook social status. Believer. <laughs> right? We're, we're good to represent it. But then do we actually eat the real meal? Do we actually see this as our spiritual food first? Do we actually not see it as an addition to? But it's like, I have to. Because without it, I'll be lost. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourself, yourselves. Do what it says, says in James 1.22. Do what it says. Don't just listen. Don't just listen on Sundays. Do on Monday through Saturday what you heard. Do through Monday, the whole Monday, what you read. If you read it in the morning, if you read it in the evening, do it the next morning. Do it. Don't just, that was good. My gosh, that was good. I hope my wife's reading this. We're good at that too, right? When we hear a message, we don't hear it for ourselves. We hear it for someone else. Gosh, he's not here. This would have been really good for him. <laughs> right? We're so good at that because we're perfect, right? It's the other guy who needs it. <laughs> now, I use these verses because as we read, Paul told them, you know God. And you have been known by God. Why now you're exercising these things again? Why are you so easily manipulated or lied to? Right? So if you believers, the urgency for us 
us believers is the knowledge, the doctrines of our faith. We truly need to hear it because all you need is one compelling preacher and they will tell you something else that tickled your ear. Oh, I like what he said. He said, I can be rich with God. Oh, man. No more trials. No more success, money. I'll be rich. Oh, I like this guy. Some of us, we came to God. We came to our relationship with the Lord because we want the salvation and we want to be rich, like financially rich with the dollar sign. Because we think God is an ATM. A genie with an unendless wishes. Not just three wishes. You come into a relationship. Now you're an heir of God's family. Now you own everything with Him. We know that it's not real, correct? I'm glad no one has called me yet for the numbers of their lottery ticket. To bless it. <laughs> because if you actually call me, I'll pray that you lose. Because that's my prayer. <laughs> because I don't want you to tell people, hey, I told you I could pray about it and then I won. You see? No, I don't want that. God has revealed to us all his plans for us. God has revealed to us what we need to do. When you keep asking me, what does God want for me? I already know you're not reading his word. It doesn't say there which car to buy. It doesn't say that how many houses you need to buy or how big the house should be. It's a one-story or two-story, 1,200 square feet or 1,800 square feet. It's not there. But God speaks to you through the Word. There's no more burning bush experience. And then you'll hear His voice audibly. It's right here. Just pick it up. Somebody told me earlier, you know, I tried to read the Bible. and He's not a believer, okay? It just doesn't make sense to me, he said. I told him, did you read the Tagalog version or the English version? <laughs> he said, no, the English. And I go, well, it's spiritually discerned, isn't it? It's spiritually discerned. And if there is anything that's not making sense to you, what do you do? You pray. You pray to God and ask, Lord, what am I reading? What are you trying to tell me? A lot of our failures as a believer, as a church, universal church, is that we have strayed away from the Word of God. Amen? We have strayed away from the Word of God because we get so dependent on preachers, on pastors, on Bible teachers. That's true. If they, There is time for this, but there is more time for you after this, correct? You only spend time with me for two hours here. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. It's only an hour. <laughs> it's only an hour here, but then you're out there for many days and many hours. You need to equip yourselves. You need to study. And then you cross-check Bible teachers. You cross-check me. And then you learn. That's how you learn. So if it is, if God, if this is God's word, then we need to be obeying it, correct? And that was the problem of the Galatian church. They forgot all of a sudden. They forgot all, all of a sudden what was preached to them, what they have learned. If they would have just stuck with what they've learned and cross-checked these people with the scriptures that they have handy, they would have not been swayed so easily. 
Do you agree? That should be an amen. But yes, I'll take three people. What is God's plan for salvation for His people? The Galatian book discusses so much and argues so much about how does a person, how can a person earn heaven? Correct? A lot about it. I know you're sick and tired of it, but we keep repeating it. We keep repeating it because the retention of a sheep is not so good. Right? The Bible calls us, it's like we're his sheep. And then the sheep is, the, with the lack of the better word, the stupidest animal ever. Did you know that a sheep will continue to eat grass, right? It keeps eating one spot, they're eating it. And then when it's dirt, guess what the sheep will continue to do? Keep eating it. The, the pastor or the shepherd has to pull and bring him or that, that sheep to the, where the grass is. That's how dumb a sheep is. <laughs> so re repetition, right? Repetition is very much needed. Repetition is very much needed. That's why we're, we, we've been going through it. Paul, in many chapters already, continued to argue to the Galatian church to convey the same message over and over again. That it, it is not by works. It is not by works that you are saved, but through faith. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates. This is God's plan. In the Bible. Not my personal opinion, but the Bible. If you haven't read it, go pick up one and go to Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if Christ has died for your sins, why are you still earning your salvation? Because God's work wasn't complete? So when he said on the cross, it is finished, you think he was just kidding? It is finished until 2018, then you guys can continue to do something because it had expired in 2017. No, it's forever. His work is perfect. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And John 3.16, I didn't put the, the words there because Christmas is almost here. I know Pastor Charles spoke about Thanksgiving, but Filipinos really don't observe Thanksgiving. We jump right to Christmas. 95 days till Christmas. We start the countdown when the burr hits, you know. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But have eternal life. So that's God's plan of salvation for his people. So as we read earlier, again, the Galatian church, the Galatian Christian Fellowship Church, added, they added now, they're observing days and months and seasons and years. They went back to observing the law. The law that was only there to reveal that they need a Savior. Believer that's sitting here right now. I know we spoke about being adopted to the family of God last week. That we should appreciate that. You know, the, every time we realize that it wasn't about us, 
that made us, that, that's why we made it to heaven, we should be grateful because that's the real score. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward. You see, there's a difference between a gift and a reward. Do we agree? A gift is out of the goodness of the heart of the giver. Do we agree? It's not because a reward. A reward is you work for it. It's like an Olympic medal. You worked for that for four years. You qualified in all those trials, and then you won. They give you your reward, your gold medal. It's not like that for heaven. It's not a reward for the good things that you've done. It's not because you're a good person. You help your people, your family in the Philippines. And you send 15, 16 belly buying boxes. It's not because of that. It's not because of that. It's not because of your goodness. It's not because of, of your philanthropy. It's not that. It's not because of your good works. It is a gift of God. It is His grace. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Is that clear? That's the New Living Translation. You can look it up on your, your, in your version, but it's pretty much going to say the same thing. So none of us can boast about it. This is the world right now. The world is so boastful. Amen? <laughs> All right, okay. Maybe it's just me. My world is so boastful. My world is so boastful because I just have to look at my Facebook timeline and all my friends are boasting about something. They're boasting about something nice that happened to them. Now you're going to name it. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? That's why Facebook is so, that's why social media is so popular. Because it's, it's an avenue for us to show people what we have. Right? Before you actually have to invite someone to your house, you have to actually trust them. You have to actually look trustworthy first. Like, oh, I don't know if I can let this guy in. He looks like a criminal, right? So but when you let them in, that's the only time they see pictures of you when you were a baby. Pictures of your loved ones, your wedding pictures, correct? That's the only time. But now, if you're like me, I have many friends that I really don't know them. John Gossin reminded me that I'm, a, I'm friends with a news anchor here in town. I go, I am? He goes, yeah, it's in, she's in your friends list. Oh, <laughs> because I use it for business. You know, it's like networking. It's like the main street. But that's why it's so popular, because it gives us an avenue to boast. By nature, our sinful nature is boastful. Amen? Amen. Who of you have posted a picture of your ugly car on Facebook? <laughs> and we all had an ugly car one, one time in our lives, right? Who? Nobody, right? Nobody. Unless, unless you want to put it right next to your brand new car. So, buy so many memories with you. I know they talk to their cars. Oh, so many memories with you. I love you so much. Hello to my new Lexus. <laughs> All right? That's what we like to do. Guess if you can earn salvation. Guess if you can earn salvation. I'll show you. Selfie. Giving money now to the poor. 
you're welcome. God bless you. Right? That's what you would do. And then you're going to say 99 points away from heaven. You would do that, right? If you can earn it to heaven, if you can earn your way to heaven, we will be boasting about it. We will be boasting about it. And that's why God didn't want it. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. We have no part in it other than believing and trusting in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31. For no one can ever be made right with God. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. So stop following it to gain heaven. To gain heaven. The Ten Commandments will not bring you to heaven. The Ten Commandments shows you that you need a Savior because from 1 to 10, you probably violated it 10 times over in a day. It's not, it's not the way to heaven. Go look it up. That's in Romans 3.20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Please turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians or type in 1 Corinthians 1.26-31. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to, those, in order to save those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose. See, the repeating thing is God chose it. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. And used them to bring nothing to nothing that the world considers important. Why? Because God doesn't want anyone to take credit for it. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You cannot boast to God, but Lord, I was a good person when you finally meet him. But Lord, I helped all my relatives, from my grandkids to my great-grandkids. I sent them to college. It's not going to bring it. It's not enough. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him, Jesus, to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. Now repeat that. Christ made us right with God. You did not make yourself right with God. He, Jesus, made us pure and holy. Your confessions did not make you holy. Your good works did not make you holy. Those thousand prayers did not make you holy. And he freed us from sin. Jesus is the one and only to free us from our sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord, about what the Lord has done for you. Amen? If you will boast, boast about the Lord. Paul is shocked that the Galatian Christians turned back to legalism. 
slip back into the bondage or slavery of the law. Or doing good works to which Christ Jesus has freed them. And us, freed them and us. Christ, you know, Paul pleading with them. Paul pleaded with them. And pleads, Paul pleads, pleads again up to now to us. If you are slipping back to legalism, read this and, and read this as if Paul is talking to you. God is talking to you through Paul. That you have to choose the liberty and freedom that Christ has given you. Christ has already done it for you. Why burden yourself? Under the influence of the Judaizers, the Galatians had at least begun to observe the Mosaic calendar. They kept special days, weekly Sabbaths, and month, which is new moons, and seasons, seasonal festivals, such as Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. They started observing these things. The Galatian church had nothing to do with that, but then the Judaizers came there like, you guys need to do this. And they started doing it. And the years, the sabbatical and the jubilee years, they observed these special times thinking that they would thereby gain additional merit before God. There's no additional merit that you can earn. You cannot add or deduct or remove from what Christ has already done on the cross. There's no way. Show me in the Bible. There, it's not there. You will have a hard time finding it. Because it's not there. What's there is telling you that that can't happen. That those things won't bring you there. Paul had already made it clear that works could not be added to faith as grounds for either justification or sanctification. It says here, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. The stress on Paul. All the letters to the church seem to be <laughs> a letter of problem. There's an issue. They seem to always forget. Remember that sheep uh, continues to just chew down and even if it's dirt? What a shame it would be if we as the church turned back to legalism too. Don't you think it would grieve the founder, pa founding pastor of this church, including Pastor Charles, that we're all of a sudden swinging back to legalism? But Paul had so much love for these people. He had so much love for these people that he wrote them. And then for us, it's for our benefit now too. See, there's, there's nothing that you can eat or drink that can violate your relationship with the Lord. We had a guest at our house, uh, I think it was Friday. He asked me because he knows now that, well, he heard from my in-laws that I'm a pastor. And he's not a believer. And he asked me, he goes, so you don't drink anymore? I go, no, I don't drink anymore. Why? Is it because you can't drink? This was really the conversation. I go, no, I, I can drink if I want to. I can have a bottle of beer if I want to. I could have a glass of wine if I want to. It won't hurt me. It's not like I lose my salvation. But I told him, but it's not 
Bless you. It's not, it's not that why I drank. It's not what I drink or if I drink or not. It's a testimony to the people. Because then my friends will say, you see, Joe still drinks. He hasn't changed. I knew him as a drunk. See, he's still drinking. He's just a pastor now, but he still, still loves drinking. But I don't drink because I don't want to lose my salvation. Because I can't. I can't lose my salvation. Because I didn't even earn it in the first place. I'm not even maintaining it. God's the one who has done everything for me. So it's not about drinking or eating. It's, is it also good? If we drink, is it, is it good if I drive? Right? Let's say, let's say I drank and there is no believers in the room. Nobody can report me to FICF. There's nobody with a cell phone that could take a picture and tag me. I was drinking, making a toast. Let's say I did that. Right? I did that. I didn't lose my salvation, did I? No, the answer is no. But then I drove, and then I had one too many drinks, and I get a DUI. Because God is good in revealing the hidden things, correct? That's in the Bible. God will reveal the hidden things. And why would he do that to me? Why would he discipline me that way? I would say, Lord, it was just a couple of drinks. It's been three years. God disciplines those he loves. That's what the Bible says. So I should say, well, praise God, you still love me, Lord. But Lord, can you have somebody pay for my ticket? Because that's 1800 and my car is towed. Now I have to go to court. It has nothing to do with my salvation. But everything else has everything to do with the Lord. Amen? Everything. But so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Now Paul, in, verses four, in verse 17 here, he says here, or 16, Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. This is what I want to tackle with this verse here. In John 15, 18, 21, Jesus said, the world's hatred. If the world hates you, talking to the believers, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. So if you see, your, if you find yourself that the world's still loving you, you're probably pretty much still a part of it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to what? To stay in your life, the way of life that you are used to living? No, I chose you to come out of the world. So it hates you. I've lost friends from the past because of the stand that I took with the Lord. I'm no longer fun to be with, I suppose. <laughs> Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. Everybody, that's a scary thought, isn't it? Because we all want to be like, that's our nature. We all want to be like, we all want to be loved. We, we don't want to really rock the boat. That's our nature. But, 
we're told to love God first, above everything else and above everyone else. So telling the truth about the Lord sometimes, will, many times, will offend people. Standing for Jesus will many times offend people, and you will stop getting their invitations. They would let, since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would have listened to you. They will do all this to you because of me. For they have rejected the one who sent me. That's heavy. I don't think that's one of the, I think that's the one thing that a lot of people turn away from the faith. It's because of this. Because we want to be very much part of the world still. Because we, want, we don't want to lose our family, right? Our family, our uncles, our aunts, our cousins, our brother, our sister, our mom, our wife, our husband, our children. When you make a decision for God, you kind of do end up losing them. Because they will not all agree with you. Especially if they have not surrendered their lives to Christ. I said especially if they have not surrendered their lives to Christ. Because trust me, even believers, even fellow believers, when you're taking a stand for the Lord, just like Paul here, he's talking to believers in Galatians. But they are now getting upset with him because the tone of his letter is different. He's reprimanding them. He's reprimanding them. Sometimes it's so hard. To really tell the truth, because not everybody would want to hear what you have to say, especially if you're rebuking them. Now, if they're just listening to you and you're rebuking somebody else, they're saying amen right behind you. Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead, get him, Pastor. And then when you turn it on, like, what? What? Why me? Why are you talking to me? It's all good until you get addressed. Is that right? Yeah, that's the sad thing. That's the truth. We don't like, by nature, we don't like to be disciplined. We don't like to be told. Because we, you know, frankly, we all know everything, right? <laughs> we already know everything. Why would somebody else tell us? No, the truth is we don't know everything. The older you get, the more you should believe that truth. That you don't know everything. And then you will start saying, then I can't do everything. Not because you cannot sometimes, because your physical body is already giving in. But you can never know everything. Never. But the world hated. And the Galatian church started hating Paul. And this is, what's, this is, this is what was going on. But in Proverbs 17.10 reads, A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. Believers, if you are trying to reprimand somebody and they are wise, it's going to go well. Whether they like it or not. Some, some of them will probably be confrontational, but because of the Holy Spirit that they will submit to, the wise person will accept that and it will go a long way for them. If you are sitting here and a lot of these things are making sense to you and you're feeling the rebuke, I'm not targeting you. It's the Holy Spirit that's targeting you. And if you want to be wise, you want to just take it. Now a hundred flashes on the fool. It's not going to go anywhere. 
no matter what you do. No matter how many Sundays you sit here, if you're going to choose to be a fool and not listen to what God tells you, it's not what you hear. The hearing has nothing, I mean, it has something to do with it because it plugs it in. But if you just reject it, then it can, there's no power. Because God gives everybody the free will to obey what you've heard or what you were told, whether you liked it or not. Ecclesiastes or Proverbs 23.9, don't waste your breath on fools, for they will despise the wisest advice. Now let's update this. Don't waste your typing comments on Facebook on fools. Why do you spend so much time arguing with a fool on Facebook? That's why I try not, I really try my best now not to go back and forth with a comment. Not to say I don't want to ever, but there are many times I'm like, hmm, maybe I should engage this person. But then no. It's a waste of time. The Bible says be careful to engage in debates or things like this that are not important. You know what I think is a big waste too? Political arguments. A lot of political arguments. We become very argumentative when it comes to politics. Nobody should touch our politics. <laughs> we play the MC Hammer music when it comes to politics. Dun, 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 dun. You can't touch this, right? That's that. You don't want it. Not my politics. But when it comes to our faith, we become like, oh, I really don't want to offend anybody with my faith. Then we become silent. But when we become, we're very, we're the silent Christians, we're the secret Christians, but we're the obvious Republican, right? Or Democrat. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. That makes sense. So the Galatian church was being rebuked by a wise person. Do we agree, Paul, who he's the apostle? God used him for their salvation. Now, he's rebuking them. And if they will be wise, they will take heed to his rebuke. Right? But there are, so it is better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. When you hear a good job from a lazy person at work, you know you're not going to take that well, right? Hey, I'm glad you work hard today. And you know he's lazy. You're thinking, I worked hard because you were lazy. You didn't pick up your picks. I picked it. That's why I worked hard. So you don't take it as a compliment because you see him as a fool. Right? But the wise person, you're like, oh, hey, thank you. Coming from you, thank you very much. That means a lot. So it should be the same. When the word, when we read the word and it rebukes us, that's the Holy Spirit re rebuking us. If there's any messages that, that hits us, we should take that and let the Holy Spirit just move in our life and be obedient to whatever it was that was told. Philippians 3.7.9 Please turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're almost done. 30 more minutes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 25. In Philippians, this is Paul, because Paul urges the believers, right? He urged the believers in Galatia 
to become like him. All right? To become like me, he said. Become like me. Paul is always good in telling the believers before to copy me. Here he says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are, are the circumcision, who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Paul never put confidence on the flesh. And so should we. We shouldn't put confidence in our flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Read, read what Paul had done. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Five circumcised on the eighth day. Oh, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He did everything what the law commanded. He did everything. But then he says here, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Let me read to you Galatians chapter 4, verse 17 to 20. They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that they may be zealous for them. But it is for good to be zealous in the good things always. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. That's what I want to tackle there. Romans 8.29. Everybody knows Romans 8.28. For it is by, <laughs> it is by grace. For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, those who are called according to His purpose. That's Romans 8.28. Romans 8.29. For those He foreknew, God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Are you taking this journey seriously? Because God's ultimate goal for us if we are given the gift of life to continue living in this world, is that we be confirmed, to be confirmed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Ephesians 4, 3 to 15 and 15, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity. There is maturity that is needed for us we're just not to stay as spiritual babies. We can't just stay on John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8.9 in our faith. We can't just occupy chairs on Sundays, although that's good because you get to learn. But you're really not learning if you're not doing. 
It's just a theory until you actually do it. Let God be real, not just a theory in your life. With the stature measured by Christ's fullness. But speaking the truth, this is verse 15, in love let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. Colossians, this is our last verse. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. It's for us, right? And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. You know, he did speak about the, the Judaizers going into that, their church and giving them a different message, bringing them back to legalism. You know, the very dangerous thing is that in the last days, as, as Paul told us, read this, and turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy or your Bible apps, type in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, and we will end with this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Right? They just want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear the truth about God. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers. They will choose the teachers. And these teachers will have to say what they want to hear to them. To say what their itching ears want to hear. And what's that usually? It's about the good things in life. Get rich. You're saved by grace. No suffering. Right? Everything that's good. But that's not the truth. They will turn their ears away from the truth. And turn aside to myths. If it's not by saved by grace, they'll tell you that you have to earn it again and again and again. Pay for it. So we'll end with that because I know I'm like a, an hour already. <laughs> so we'll get a 15-minute break and we'll come back here. No. <laughs> if the Bible, as we claim it and as we believe, because it is, if the Bible is God's truth, we should yield to it, correct? We should read it, understand the truths behind it, and heed to the instructions. But it is not because we're heeding to it because so we can be saved, if you already accepted Christ as your Lord. It is because out of your love relationship with the Lord that you want to obey Him and live for Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. Thank you for your people, Lord God, and their patience. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit and all your people be the one to give them the clarity of whatever it is that you want them to know and retain and obey. Father, we thank you for all the truth that were spoken tonight by your word. I pray for urgency for all your believers here tonight. The, ur the urgency to read your, your word. The urgency to be more intimate with you. 
I pray that we will recognize the need for it and finally just surrender to that truth. Father, I pray for blessings for them, but as you make them a blessing, as you bless them, Lord, make them a blessing to others. I pray that they will have that urgency to share your word, to share the truth to those who are enslaved, who are still enslaved by the world's lies or, or a faith that, that entangles and enslaves them with, with works and stuff. Father, I pray for love that to come out from us, your love, as we become the salt and light in this world. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was the end of today's message. If you want to support our mission of reaching many others through this podcast, help us grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com forward slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.